gotcha. That's good, 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 good. Have you been blessed? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. I know you're looking for Romans, but this is a special day. Isaiah chapter 60, beginning in verse 1, is where we'll be looking this morning. I recently read a true story about a preacher that was standing at the door shaking hands with the congregants as they came out. This one man walked out, and uh, he kind of grabbed him by the hand and said, uh, Sir, don't you think you ought to join the uh, Lord's army? And he looked at the preacher, and he said, I'm already in the Lord's army. He said, Well, I only see you here on Christmas and Easter. He said, I'm in the secret service. <laughs> now, we know there's no secret service. It's been a great service, but I want to take just a moment because Brother Aaron has already reiterated it. I want to make sure you understand too because I'll get emails when these videos go out and all about how ungodly that we are having an American flag in a worship service. And uh, we don't worship America here, we worship God. And I want to tell you the second verse of that is I thank God for America and I thank God for those who, men and women who have given of their life to be a part of this country. If you're a veteran man, been in any service anytime, would you just stand where you are right here? Every, everyone. Guys, amen. We owe them. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Uh, I appreciate you fighting for our national freedom, that you love this land enough that you'd be willing literally to sign a blank check. And I know you don't love this land more than you love this country, and I've got some blank checks for you to sign out in the foyer <laughs> as we leave here today. Amen? <laughs> no, I'm just, just teasing with you. As a kid, I used to they're sophisticated now. Everything's sophisticated. Don't that just make you want to spit sometimes? <laughs> they call them jungle gyms and all that, but we called it monkey bars. And you would hang upside, on, upside down on those monkey bars. And in a few moments, the world would kind of change its perspective. The longer you hung there, the more it changed its perspective. It's the same thing, basically. They told me several years ago, preacher, what you need is one of these things, and Paul Crawford sold it to me. He's the very duck right there that sold it to me. He said, you just get on that thing, and you lean back, and, and, and then when you're ready to quit, you just kind of move up, and it just, well, it didn't flip up with me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I like to die before I got off that thing. But I fixed me a pulley system up behind the armoire, and when I get on it now, buddy, I've got that rope right there that I can pull myself up. <laughs> if you were looking at America today, some of you would have to agree with me that, honestly, there's some out of sync, out of whack, upside down. What do we, we're almost like the Apostle Paul that, he said, the, the things I ought to be doing, I'm not doing. The things I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing. And 
Mm. We see that happening in our country today. For years, I believed that history was one thing that we could hold on to that could not be rewritten. Fifty years ago, every historian alive believed that America was a country that people came here so that they could worship God Jehovah in any manner they desired to worship him. And now, history's rewritten. It's rewritten. In fact, I'll tell you how crazy things are getting. Did you see on the news this week that the guy, I can't remember how old he is, but he wants to be 20 years younger. And so because he feels like that, he's 20 years younger. Mm. He ain't got a brain in his head. I can just tell you. I read the accounts this week of some of the battles of the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Utah Springs in South Carolina, September 8, 1781, uses these sobering words, quote, blood ran ankle deep in places. The freedom of this country came at a high cost. It not only came at a high cost, but it continues to be a high cost. And if we're going to be free the next few years and the years ahead, it's going to continue to cost us something. We could stop and say, hey, this is a wake-up call. Uh, the blood of Jesus ran from his head down to his ankles. His body suffered abrasions and contusions and lacerations and a sword and perforations tearing all that. And it was a horrific sign all for us. All for us. Amen. The faith of this nation in past years was seen in our educational system. It's no longer true. You look at every Ivy League school that was started, Harvard, William Mary, Yale, Princeton, Rutgers, Dartmouth, all began by Christians to train Christian men to carry forth the gospel. Every one of them. July 4th, 1821, John Quincy Adams said this, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissolvable bond principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Washington in his farewell address said this, after being president, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And we're finding that out. We're finding that out. Uh, I believe this will be a good, good Sunday to re-enroll in the Lord's Army. Some of you may have never enrolled, and you need to enroll. Many of us in this place, though, have enrolled, but we've kind of been complacent and set by. And I'm asking you today, in the situation in this country, to re-enroll for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, Isaiah 60, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. 
For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Father, thank you this morning how we have been tremendously blessed. And I just pray that, uh, God, in the, the remainder of this service, your spirit would have freedom. Lord, this is your house. This is your place. Lord, this is your day. Would you have freedom to move anywhere you want to move in this building? Touch any soul, young, old, middle-aged, young person, child. You do what you please to do, and may we just be obedient to what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many, thank you, you may be seated. Many people think today that our country is probably going to go into exile, maybe like captivity, Babylonian captivity, 70 years. I, I don't know any of that. I, I wish I could tell you, uh, but I don't know any of that. I do know this, though. I do know who holds tomorrow. I do know who's got this thing under control, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, honestly, the stronger the opposition, the greater the opportunity for God to do something supernatural. And that's what we need in our, in our churches today. Uh, that's what we need to get back to where we're walking by faith and watching God do things supernatural. We have built them up ourselves. We have motivated ourselves. We have created our own programs. We've done everything we've got to do, and, and everybody's happy, and, and we're just praising the Lord and all. But the fact is, the lost people are not being saved. They're more lost now than ever before. There are more churches now than ever before. And yet fewer and fewer are coming to the Lord. How do you get in the Lord's army? Let me just give you five things here real quickly. Number one is this. We must defend the gospel. We got to defend the gospel. Nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, they're not going to do it. It's got to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must defend the gospel. You do that by, first of all, casting fear aside. The word of God all the way throughout. Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Over and over and over again. Don't fear. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, the Assyrians are coming to, to uh, de defeat Israel and to just really wipe them out. And people are on edge and, and all of that. And, and this is what uh, the, the king of Israel says uh, before they all get there. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that's with him. Why aren't we going to be afraid? For there are more with us than with him. Would you understand this morning? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Would you understand this morning that in the spiritual realm, God's got his angels protecting and watching over. There's more of us than there are of them. Oh, I wish I had time this morning to preach, but I don't. I got to go right on. I, whoa, I'd love to go back and talk about how God wiped out 450 false prophets in one day. I'd like to go back and figure out how God destroyed three entire armies and, and the children of Israel up on a hill and they've never done one thing. Boy, we have got to get back to where we don't fear because fear comes from the devil. Second thing in defending the gospel, it's no time to retreat. There's no time to retreat. Matthew chapter 16, 
Brother Teddy even quoted it some here yesterday morning at the men's breakfast. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're prophets. Uh, you know, but he said, well, who do you say I am? See, that's an important question right now. I mean, I, I know who I say he is, and I know who Brother Aaron says he is, but who do you say he is? And old Peter said, you're, you're, the, you're the Christ. You're son of the living God. And you remember what Jesus told him? He said, let me tell you, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. The Father above told you that. And Peter, because he told you that, I'm going to build my rock. I'm going to build on this rock, my church. Not the rock of Peter, but the rock of the foundation of Jesus Christ. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. If you were to ask me, what, what, what is our number one problem in this church? other than the pastor. I would tell you the number one problem is this. We're in a defense mode and not an offense mode. Now, I want to ask you something this morning. When have you ever seen gates come into the church? Anybody ever here been in a service when suddenly the doors flew open and here comes some gates in? No. Gates are a defensive weapon. And they're the defensive weapon that Hades has. And literally in the Greek, what he's saying here is that the, the gates of hell shall not stop the forward advance of the church. We need to not retreat. We've given up too much. We've got to advance for the kingdom of God. Which side are you on? The Lord's side or enemy's side? I... I really, don't get mad at me, but I'm, I'm kind of praying, Lord, put us through it. I'm kind of tired of pastoring the church where I don't know who's for God and who's not. Put us through it. Let those of the redeemed stand up and say so. I was having lunch with a missionary from India and another man, I, I think I shared this Wednesday night, but we were talking, and uh, I have decided to follow Jesus is one of my favorite songs. I love that song. And they were telling me it came from India. I said, yeah, are you sure? And they said, yeah, yeah. Well, he told me the whole story. I Googled it to make sure he was right. And he's right. It come from India. There was a guy, an American missionary, who went over there, won a family in this tribal village. And the tribe leader said, you either renounce Jesus or we're going to kill you. And he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. And they killed both of his kids right in front of him. He said, though none go with me, I'm still going to follow. And they killed his wife right in front of him. True story. He said, the world behind me, the cross before me. And they killed him. All four dead. But in the midst of all that, God spoke to a tribal leader because of their commitment and dedication. And that entire village was one to Jesus because of their dedication. Wow. Mm. You say, is God wanting me to do that? I'm not telling you that. 
He may want you to do more than you're doing, though. I wish I had time. 1 Samuel 17, I love that story. (laughs) David goes up there and he said, is there not a cause? This guy's out here making fun of God. Isn't there any cause here? And, And David says, I'll go, I'll go. You know what happened. He picked up five stones. Theologians been trying to figure out why he got five for 200 years. I got my take on it. If he didn't kill him with the first one, he's going to use the second one. I mean, I, I mean, if he didn't kill him with the second one, he's going to use a third one. I, I don't know that, but you don't know it wasn't either. But you remember he laughed at David and said, they sent a kid out here? <laughs> oh, he said, it's not me. It's the God I serve. It's the God I serve. Defend the gospel. The second thing, if you want to enroll in the kingdom of God and the army of God, we've got to stand up for biblical values. That's almost a thing of the past. It really is. I wish I could say it's just in the world, but the real truth is biblical values are almost gone from the church. I don't think Daniel became a man of God when he got ready to go in the lion's den. I think Daniel had been doing business with God all along his life. And in our history today, when most of these young people turn uh, 18, they get out of high school, go to college, they drop out. Stand up for biblical values. I won't go through all of this, but Pastor Joe Wright said it better than I did. This was in 1996. You know it's worse now than it was then. But in the House of Representatives in Kansas, he had a prayer that he prayed. But this is what he confessed. What he confessed. He said, we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We've endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. Now, this was in 96. We've called it the normal lifestyle now. Old Vance Havner said it about the church years ago. Church has been abnormal so long that if it ever got normal, they would think it was subnormal. And that's where we are in the church today. We've we've exploited the poor. Now, you're going to love this one. And we called it the lottery. We have taken up the offering, haven't we? All right. Good then. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We've killed our unborn and called it choice. We've shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We've neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. I, I can't even go hardly. I just can't do it in the grocery store anymore. It's like the devil puts this mama right beside me. And she says, you do it one more time, I'm going to spank you. You do it one more time, I'm going to spank you. And I want to pull off my belt and say, go ahead, lady. I'll sell tickets here. See, I raised where, where they said, if I'm going to spank you, buddy, you got it. You thought maybe you had a reprieve on the way home, but when you got home, they remembered it. We've abuse power we call it politics 
We've coveted, coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. There needs to come a day where we come back and we say we're going to stand on the principles of the Word of God. Amen. And I'm not talking. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. Some of y'all are going to go home and put your three, four, whatever that thing is in your pocket and you're going to get you a big King James Bible weighs 15 pounds and you're going to go around thumping. That's called legalism. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about if you're in a group and they're saying terrible things about our Lord, you need to stand up and say, look, that's not right. This is the man who died on Calvary for my sin. You haven't done anything for me. I'm going to stand with Jesus. Well, the third thing, we got to love people. Truth is important, very important, but love is important also. We've got to love people. Now, you young people won't have any idea what I'm talking about, but every once in a while, a hillbilly can get something right. And years ago, a hillbilly wrote this, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. I pray, God, I'll discover a friend and a lover looking for love in all the wrong places. If we sat here in this building this morning, I dare say there's not a one of us in this building that cannot recollect somebody that really what they need is a good hug and to tell them that Jesus loves them. In our families, those we work with, a true story a daycare lady owned a daycare and they brought this little four-year-old girl to her in daycare. She'd been born in prison. She never knew anything. She would not open her mouth. She'd never said a word. Never said a word. This daycare lady said, oh, we'll, we'll take her. We'll take her. And she would just go wild and just throw all of these fits and her mother was in uh, the uh, prison when she was born and on heroin, cocaine, and all of that during the whole pregnancy, and she would just throw wall-eyed fits, and that daycare owner would just pick her up and put her in her arms and then just kind of rock her. She had a rocking chair in her office, and she just rocked her, and just rocked her, day after day, month after month, and she would sing to her, Jesus loves you, this I know, over and over. One day, the little girl had been out there in the middle of the floor throwing a wall-eyed fit. Never opened her mouth, never said a verbal word. The lady walked over and picked her up, put her in the rocking chair, and she started rocking her. The little girl looked up at the daycare lady's face for the first time she spoke. She said, would you tell me about that man that loves me? Boy, there's some folk all around us that need to know about the man who loves them so much that he'd be willing to die on the cross for their salvation. Oh, we need to, to love people. And then, fourthly, we need to preach the gospel. We signed up to preach the gospel. We signed up to go to war. That's what we're in. I know most of y'all in here are lovers and not fighters. 
But I want to tell you, in the kingdom of God, we're in a war. Some of these young people here that, that maybe not understand, but I want to tell you, if you've ever been around, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it's like. I've not, not been in the service. I've, I've not been in a war. But I don't know what it's like to watch a good friend die right next to me. I don't, I don't know what that's like, not in battle. And then to become home, I had good friends that came home from Vietnam that had rotten tomatoes thrown at them. And then just to be thrown back in society and say, y'all take care of it. We've got to preach the gospel. There's only one thing that'll take care of heartache like that, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. When he died on that cross, we died with him. When he was buried in that tomb, we were buried in that tomb with him. And bless God, when he resurrected, we shall resurrect with him also. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, all men will hate you because of me, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Jesus said, blessed are you when men persecute you and insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. You, you and I won't do anything here on this earth in persecution or, or being mocked or being literally suffering that God does not reward in heaven. Paul wrote Timothy and he said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Peter said, friends, don't be surprised at the trials you're going through. Something strange happening to you. No, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Paul probably one of the greatest, the greatest, probably Christians who ever lived. He said five times in 2 Corinthians 11, I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled, often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And he said, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. It's not a free ride, guys. If you're going to line up for the army of God, it's going to cost us something. You know why Paul did all that? Because he was convinced that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Amen. He was convinced. Nobody... Nobody threw any doubt on him. He knew. He knew who he believed, and he knew he was able to keep him till the day that he come back for him. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. We're going to be in the army of God. We've got to learn to shine in the darkness. Shine in the darkness. I wish I could say families could do it. They're not going to do it. Good people could do it. They're not going to do it. Church members could do it, and they're not going to do it. God's people are the only ones that have a responsibility to shine in the darkness. I didn't hear all of Dr. Ed Young yesterday. I was 
in and out, and <clears throat> I, I got to go back and hear it. He was calling a lot of pastors prairie chickens. I never didn't even know what a prairie chicken was. <laughs> I don't think it was very good, though. He said, what America needs is more real men of God in the pulpit and not a bunch of prairie chickens. Mm. Well, I'm going to turn around and say need it out in the congregation, too. So say, uh, go ahead and say amen there, too. We're all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. <laughs> Let your light so shine before men. That's the precept for shining. I think I've told you all this before, but my daddy... We only had one cow, and we had to take turns milking that thing every day. Somehow or another, Daddy could tell whether the cow had been milked or not. And I remember one, one day he'd come home, it was night. <clears throat> he said the cow hadn't been milked. And I started to say, and he said, don't lie to me. The cow has not been milked. And it was after dark. I had to go down to that barn. The cow was in the barn. And we didn't have no light switches or anything. You had a pull chain. There's one little old light in the middle of that barn. I pulled that chain. I thought every cat in Polk County was in that barn. <laughs> they wasn't cats, though. They were running wild. Scared the living daylights out of me. But you know what? Though, though, they were not scared of me. I'm not the reason they ran. The light is what made them run. And see, folks, listen, it's not us. You, you don't have to worry about saying the right thing or doing the right thing or whatever. Just walk with God. Let God lead you. It's the light. When you walk in a room and you're filled with the light, it's going to make those who don't have light get nervous. But it's not you, it's the light. He said, let your light so shine before men. That refers to our character, to our faith. We're to let it show. Godliness is a light. Sinfulness brings darkness. And this world that's in darkness today needs our light. Then secondly, it's a performance here. You say, I don't like performance. Well, just stay with me. It says, let your light so shine that they may see. See, light is conspicuous. Now, that's why, you know, in the music service, they dim the lights down, and I'm all for that. That's wonderful. But, boy, when I preach, I want every light in this place on. I want to be able to look in the whites of your eyes, all the way up in the balcony up there, in the whites of your eyes. I want to be able to see light performs it's conspicuous and believers are to shine there should be no doubting your faith when you get pink slips at work and everybody's using profanity and slamming them on the floor and you've got your pink ship and you said look i'm just gonna praise the lord I, he got me this job he'll get me another one you know what'll happen somebody will call you and say how could you be that calm because i've got the Lord on my side. He's going to protect me. He's looking out for the best of me. And then it's public. We're to shine in public. Could I tell you, you shine really good here in church this morning. You're looking good. 
you sang good, you're smiling, but this is not the battlefield. This is the recharging station. And what we have in here, we need to take out there. Because what this world needs is some light shining in the darkness. And then the purpose for the shining, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Mm. Your purpose for shining your light is to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this world needs. You become his by birth, by blood, and by adoption. I don't know what you need to do this morning. The motto of this church has been for 15 years. I think Shirley Stouse is the one that came up with it, if I remember right. My memory is not real good, but I think so. And that is preparing people for the coming Lord. Preparing people for the coming Lord. If you're here this morning and you're, you're lost without Christ, let me tell you how you prepare. You admit you're a sinner and you realize you cannot save yourself. Nobody else can save you. You can't ride in on your grandmother's coattails. You're, you're, you're doomed. You're a sinner and there's no hope. But then you believe that Jesus came, was buried, rose again for your sin. And you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he takes that blood and he puts it over your heart and your life. And you can be saved. Now listen to me, there's no reason for you to be in the army of the Lord unless you're saved. All you're going to do is make life miserable. You're going to make life miserable for your family. You're going to make life miserable for your church. You're going to make life miserable for those you work around. The first prerequisite is to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and then go to the next part, okay? Not only to prepare those who are lost, though, but maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, preacher, I know I'm saved and I, I love the Lord and I'm talking to him, but I got a grudge I'm holding. Well, could I just tell you, frankly, this morning, you're not talking to him then? Well, you may technically be talking to him. He's just not listening to you. See, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I mean, are you, are you willing to try to go through life by yourself because somebody did something to you, hung up, and you ain't never forgetting it? You're not going to get, you're not going to be, you're going to hold on to it. And you're going to lose every spiritual blessing you've got. That's what these altars are for down here. It may be this morning you need a church home. This church is not perfect. Almost. Nobody knows the joy to be able to pastor this church. Nobody knows that. It's a tremendous church. We, we visit around, our staff visits around and says, oh, we don't know what we have. But let's don't be complacent. The same God who puts his hand on a place and says, I'm going to bless this place is the same God who can take that hand off and say, enough is enough. But if you're looking for a church, I invite you to come. You need someone to pray with, we'll pray with you. 
We'll do whatever you need. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, we come with humble hearts. Lord, you have spoken to us through music. You've blessed our lives and our hearts. God, through the Word of God, Lord, would you show us what you want us to do as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we never retreat. May we stand on the principles of the Word of God. May we continue to preach the gospel when people are saying all over, it's not important anymore. The most important thing we can do is preach the gospel. Lord, would you let our light shine so that others may see our good works that glorify you and lift up the precious name of Jesus. Would you have your way now in this invitation? In Jesus' name. As we stand together, you need to come. Would you be the first one to come? Christian, lead the way. Come on, right now. Light of come on. The world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that God's speaking. Come on now. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. Here I am to worship. Day is a day of salvation. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven. Here I am.
You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Ooh, here I am to worship. Anyone else? God's speaking to you. Come on, right now. You are my King, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. just to our families, but to our Heavenly Father. And this responsibility is heavy. Um, as a preschool minister, many of you may think um, child care is what I'm great at. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. I love being around the children, but I also know the importance of the time that I have with your children. Um, from babies through pre-K, the time that we share with them, share with them the love of Christ, that foundation that's being built when they come and they come into the room and we're singing Jesus loves me to talking about how Jesus comes into our heart. Here's what's happening. Come and join us tonight for service at 6 o'clock. What is and is not biblical fruit. Kids praise and preschool praise will be practicing in their regular locations. Operation Christmas Child is underway. If you would like to pack a box for a boy or girl and spread some Christmas cheer with good news and great joy, Grab a box from the foyer, fill it up, and bring it back next week. December 16th is a day you'll want to mark on your calendar. Our Hills Praise Choir presents a Purple Hull Christmas.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. Make sure and check your bulletin for the rest of the weekly happenings. And a very special thank you to our veterans on this Veterans Day. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Hope you'll be back tonight, next week at the Agape Feast. Church provides dressing and ham, turkeys, all that stuff, cranberry sauce and drinks and rolls. You just bring your favorite side dish. Let me give you some hints, uh, chicken and dumplings or something like that, all right? Nutritious, uh, buttermilk pie, things like that. We'll be at the Hallsville High School Cafetorium because uh, we don't have any place here big enough to handle everybody, so there'll be plenty of room there, and it's going to be a great time. We also are in the process of building for eternity. There have been more, there have been 105 family units that have joined our church, either by baptism or for transfer of letter, since we did building for eternity. That means 105 if you average two. To a family that's 210, some or more. Uh, we want to get everybody back on the same page, and you'll be getting uh, some more information about that. But our big thing here, we do at Woodland Hills, is the chest of Joash. We bring it out about once a year, and we'll have it for the Agape Feast. And it's just a special time of offering. Everything in that goes to build the new children preschool building. So uh, be praying about what God wants you to do. This is a sacrificial time. Uh, and we, we just, uh, I'll be honest, I told the men at breakfast yesterday morning, uh, I guess I'm going to be one very disappointed pastor if this building is not paid for before we move into it. I, I understand this building, we weren't large enough to do it. It was the grace of God and, and uh, he provided a way and we're in debt on this one. 
But uh, folks, we don't need another $15,000 a month note. Uh, we need that one paid for and this one paid for so we can do more for the kingdom of God outside of this place. So you pray about that and ask God what he wants you to do. All right, this morning, we've got a great group this morning. The Tuckers, if y'all would, where you, there y'all are, okay? Uh, Matt, Stacy, Landon, and Carson, okay? I got all the names right. And uh, that's Mulberry Springs and Hooks? No, it's, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, they come from a, a sister church. And if you received them, would you say amen? Clap, do whatever you want to do. All right. And then we have Ricky Dallas and Mallory Mosley. Here they are right here. They've all been saved and want to come by promise of letter. Uh, if you receive them, would you say amen, happy clap, do whatever? And then we've got Howard and, and Ms. Margaret Hunt, and they've, they've been here a good while, always smiling, always encouragement. And they come this morning saying, we want to make it official. So if you welcome them, would you say amen, clap, or whatever. And then we've got Christy and uh, Chris and Angie Williams. And then we have Lindy, Gracie, and Jackson. And all of them have been saved. Is that right? All of them saved and want to come by statement. If you receive them, would you say amen, clap, do whatever. And then Brooklyn, come here, Brooklyn. Little Brooklyn, I tell you, so sweet. What happened to you? I gave my life to Jesus. Gave my life to Jesus, amen. <laughs> Woo, have mercy. Mom, Dad, come on here. Sister, come on here. Y'all stand right here with, with them. All right, now let's see. Who, who do y'all know here best? They're not here. No, they're in. Stacy, come on down here. Okay, good deal. And then, uh, uh, who? Well, you're already members. Their mom and daddy take care of you. Who do y'all know best? Markham's too. Stacy, who do y'all know best? The Palmer. Okay, good. Y'all trade places right here if you will, right here, and then we'll let you get right in there. All right. Who do y'all know best here? Gloria, come on down here. Gloria, where are you at? Amen. Marshall, come on down with her. Need a little class down here. <laughs> Amen. Good deal. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you've been here today? Amen. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, tremendous time uh, together. Pray for our Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I was planning on going today, but I'm not going today. There's too much to do, so I'll probably be slipping out tomorrow late sometime. But pray for that as we meet in Kingwood uh, and uh, take care of some business there. Would you stand, please, and join hands across the aisle? I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and is love. I hope you never get tired of telling that old, old story. Brother Gary Earl is here, and he and his wife are walking by faith. He served faithfully at Morton Baptist Church, and uh, love Brother Gary. What a blessing. 
Would you lead us in our closing prayer, please? Father, I pray that you would always get the honor of this. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. In your name I pray.